Good morning and welcome to worship at Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we are united in Christ as we worship together. We're glad that you have found your way to our sanctuary this morning by Facebook Live or Instagram Live. And of course, if you found us on our website later in the week or our podcast, welcome to worship and we're glad that you're here. A few quick announcements before we begin worship this morning. Tonight, if you are a youth between the ages of sixth grade and uh, senior year, then you're invited to gather on the front lawn with a mask. We'll gather at 620 for youth group. And then tonight is the last of our 7.30 p.m. on the lawn worship services, uh, knowing that next week on October 4th, that worship service will move to five o'clock in the evening. If you are a visitor, we're especially glad that you're here. Selwyn is still learning about how to connect and to get to know you um, and one another in new ways through this time of a pandemic. If you'd like to learn more about what it means to belong here at Selwyn, we are planning orientation classes for the month of October, and you are invited to email me or Lisa McLennan, and we'll be sure to put you in touch with the right people. Next week on October 4th, we will celebrate World Communion Sunday. We are inviting you to either prepare a table for the Lord's Supper in your home at 1030, or join us safely on the lawn with a mask and a chair uh, or a blanket. Bring a picnic for your meal, and we will celebrate uh, World Communion in a new and creative way on the lawn. Also, if you are a child or have a child, we will launch our children's chapel anew on the front lawn at 4.30, right before our worship service starts at 5 o'clock. Next week, we also uh, restart our pantry, our food pantry drives on the first Sunday of every month. So please consider participating in that by dropping off a bag of food for our pantry at Montclair Elementary School. You'll be invited to drop that by the church anytime on Sunday, October 4. Fall classes for parents that are considering baptism or adults that are considering baptism begin on October 6 here uh, at the church through a Zoom um, platform. Please note um, how to sign up for that on our website. And if you are hoping to participate in acts of discipleship today through your offering or your tithes, please know that you can text your gift to 704-734-9818. We continue to pray for you. We continue to give thanks for our community here at Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church, and we're so glad that we can worship with you this morning. Let us worship God. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with thy powerful hand. Bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. made. 
let us rejoice and be glad in it. If you are able, please join me in our call to worship. To you, O Lord, we lift up our souls. God, in you we trust. Make your ways known to us, Lord. Teach us your paths. Lead us in your truth. Teach us your truth. You, O Lord, are the God who saves. We put our hope in you all day long. May the peace of Christ be with you and also with you. Let us worship God. Psalm 25 will guide us as we confess together. The Lord is good and does the right thing, teaching sinners the way they should go. God guides the weak to justice, teaching them the way. All the Lord's paths are loving and faithful. Please join me in our litany of confession. Remember, Lord, your compassion and steadfast love are everlasting. We plead, do not remember the sins of our youth, or wrongdoings. Remember us only according to your faithful love and the sake of your goodness. Please, for the sake of your good name, Lord, forgive our sins, which are many. Where are the ones who honor the Lord? The Lord counsels those who honor him. God makes his covenant known to them. Forgive us for stepping away, forgetting and not showing up. Our eyes are always looking to the Lord, because he will free my feet from the net. Turn to me, God, and have mercy on me, because I am alone in suffering. Forgive us for keeping our heads down, focusing on all that is wrong and broken. Our heart's troubles keep getting bigger. Set us free from distress. Look at our suffering and trouble. Forgive all our sins. Forgive us for focusing on all that is wrong and broken. Forgive us for worrying instead of praying. 
avoiding instead of engaging, hoarding instead of giving. Look at how many enemies we have and how violently they hate us. Forgive us for assuming instead of asking, blaming instead of forgiving, dividing instead of connecting. Please protect our lives. Deliver us. We take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve us, for we wait for you. Please, O oh God, redeem this broken world from all its troubles. Amen. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. This year, the common lectionary moves us through the Gospel of Matthew as we consider the significance of what Jesus says. This morning, we jump right into the eye of the storm, finding Jesus in the final days of his life. Sunday, crowds of poverty-stricken Jews shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, save us, as Jesus processed into Jerusalem with great honor, ironically riding on a humble donkey. On Monday, having traveled into Jerusalem from all over the region to celebrate Passover, Jesus witnesses bankers and lenders extorting them in the courtyard. Furious and fearless, Jesus overturns the tables and drives them out. Then, having restored the temple from a marketplace to a healing place, the blind and the lame were cured, and as night fell, the children continued to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, and both the scribes and the priests were simply beside themselves. And so now here we are two days later. Jesus decides to head back to the temple to teach and to heal, and he runs into the priests again, and this time the council of elders are in tow. Take note. The Greek word for elders is presbyters. And so we pick up the story in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21, at verse 23. Let's listen to what Jesus says this morning. When he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? Who, who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it from human origin? And they argued with one another, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man has two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. 
But later he changed his mind and he went. The father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostituted are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostituted believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. May God bless the reading and the hearing of God's holy word. Amen. Looming predictions of pending doom, officials grabbing power, authorities manipulating messages, corporate corruption, fear, anxiety, violence, power grabs, false prophets, oppressive governments, political jockeying, protest in the street, the exclusion of the vulnerable, and last but not least, complacent religious institutions. Well, it's a good thing that was back in first century Palestine and not now. Because I'm not sure all of us ministers and presbyters and lawyers and bankers and teachers and managers and consultants and scholars and, well, good old-fashioned faithful church folk would really know what to do or who to listen to in a time of such political and social unrest. The priests and the scribes and now the elders were as freaked out as everyone else. Sure, Jews from all around the nation were barely surviving on the edges of poverty. But as long as these officials kept appeasing Herod and his cronies, their status and their wealth would remain intact. The problem was Jesus just kept stirring things up. By what authority are you coming into our courtyard? saying the things you're saying and doing the things that you're doing. And, oh, well, we all know how this goes. New school, freshman in college, pledging a fraternity or a sorority, move to a new city, get a new job. Who are you anyway? Do you have a permit? Have you gotten permission? Were you invited? Where do you live? Are you an elder? No. Are you a scribe? No. You're certainly not a priest. Did you grow up Presbyterian? Who is your father? To which Jesus says, well, funny you should ask. What do you all think about John the Baptist? Remember back in Matthew 3 when all you all showed up on the banks of the Jordan ready to be baptized until you saw all those without the resources to cloak their sin in robes and pedigrees they all jumped right in, tax collectors, marginalized women, the blind, the lame, and you all, you all got nervous. You got nervous when John the Baptist started promising things like forgiveness and wholeness and new life. Remember when he said, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near? Well, what if God's kingdom really is near? Because we all know how that's going to go. Every valley shall be raised up and every mountain will be made low and justice will roll down like waters and the wolf will lay with the lamb in the kingdom of heaven. 
The last will be first and the first will be last. And the Messiah will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And while you all don't mind if those other people come around the temple every now and then, you would never permit them full access to God's blessing. Not in this temple, not by your authority. You, you will use the strict codes of Leviticus to prevent them from fully participating in the community. They are not really going to have access to the covenants and the rituals and the education and land ownership and marriages and ordination. So here I am, and you tell me, was John baptizing by God's authority or not? Well, for the love of God, Jesus is talking to a bunch of ministers and presbyters. And you give a bunch of folks like us a problem. And watch how quickly we form a committee. And man, it would have been a long meeting. We can hardly establish a quorum these days. A quick huddle to put our heads together, stroke the beards, analyze the data, survey the crowd, stick their fingers in the wind to check public opinions, weigh the costs, consider their options, and here it is. In spite of all the authority granted to them by their affluence and their offices, for all their knowledge of the law and the scriptures, for all their pretenses about caring for those in the temple and those who sought to be faithful, they were afraid. They were afraid of the children shouting Hosanna. They were afraid of the protests and the parades. They were afraid of losing control, of change, of being wrong. They were afraid of failure. They even said they were afraid of the crowd. And when we human beings fear that our power or our control or influence is threatened in some way, we typically do not respond well. On a bad day, we might say things like, don't test me, or because I said so. There might be yelling or threats. We might start manipulating an agenda or the narrative. We might have closed door conversations. We might shut down to avoid the conflict. We might find a scapegoat or a distraction or something to numb the anxiety. We all have issues with authority because we all have issues with fear. And while some people say the, the opposite of love is hate, perhaps the opposite of love is really fear. Because fear distorts and warps our judgment. And these leaders of the temple standing face to face with the living Christ are absolutely paralyzed by it. And if only if only they could have shown an ounce of humility, if only they could have just turned to Jesus and confessed their fears. You see, the crowd, the crowd, they knew full well the implications of their baptisms and Jesus' promises because they had already experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, transcends all attempts at our human authority. And something deep down in those elders and priests that day. They knew it was something they could not control or manipulate or silence or even hold on to because at the heart of discipleship is a call for us to let go of fear in order to take up the cross. But unable to imagine a life beyond death, 
we would much rather cleave to what we have or point fingers or gather evidence or make assumptions or turn away or ignore or blame or even harden our hearts. And I wonder how our fears limit our ability to enjoy and engage the will of Christ. In this case, at least, in the courtyard, an honest engagement with Christ requires that we let go of the systems and the habits that have served us so well, not because they are bad, but because we are called to constantly expand God's kingdom for those who need blessing and inclusion and grace. And man, if you want to catch a glimpse at God at work right now, then you should pay attention to the shifts that so many organizations and companies have had to make in the last six months. The Cincinnati Children's Hospital scheduled 2,000 telehealth visits in 2019. Now they're handling 5,000 televisits a week. In four days, the Unilever company converted factory lines that were making deodorant into ones that make hand sanitizer. Even here at Selwyn, we have shifted a majority of what we do and how we do it. According to a national consulting firm, leaders without fear are being forced to ask themselves four important questions. Number one, what should we be aspiring to? Number two, what beliefs or assumptions are we holding on to that we need to reset? Number three, what do we stop doing or say no to? And number four, what would an outside leader do in a time like this? Well, it's safe to say Jesus was an outsider. And so from him we learn the only way to lead without fear is to lead with the truth. Not your truth or my truth or a whitewashed milk toast, risk-free, polite version of the truth, but God's truth. So by what authority does Jesus enter our temple proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is near to heal and forgive, to promise hope to those who are brokenhearted and suffering? God's truth requires courage and honesty and humility and fearlessness. God's truth calls for integrity when faced with threats and wisdom when challenged. And while Jesus obviously has all of that covered on his own, we humans do not. Jesus does not hold on to authority. Instead, he passes it along to the disciples. Authority to forgive sins, authority to heal, authority to expand the gospel, authority to welcome and embrace the sinner, to love and bless. And we have all heard that power is corrupt, and that absolute power is absolutely corrupt. But power is not evil. The Holy Spirit itself is power. Power is dangerous when it is harnessed for our own benefit or used as a weapon. The source and the scope of Jesus' authority, which is the Trinity, by the way, does not conform to our assumptions about what power is, and it actually confronts the way we implement power within our human institutions, even the church. But fear not, 
All is not lost for the priest and the presbyters in the courtyard. They obviously knew the inherent risks associated with power based on the way they were structured. Leadership was shared amongst them. They had all the procedures and the structure right. They knew all the rules. It's just that their hearts were not in order, which is why I suspect Jesus ended up sharing yet another parable. Two sons, one father, one vineyard. One says he won't go to work, but he rethinks and ends up being obedient to God's will. The other says that he's on board, but then he doesn't show up to work. It is true I have been both of those sons, sometimes even within the same 24 hours. But that vineyard, that vineyard is God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Can you imagine how magnificent it is? Rows and rows of fruit and green leaves and warm sunshine. The workers are invited according to God's will, some early in the day, some in the final hours. Equity, peace, joy, fear not. Fear not on that vineyard. In that vineyard, I see parents gathering on Zoom to meet one another and learn about baptism. I see storytelling on the front lawn of our church. I see a hospice worker praying with someone near the end of life. I see a college student listening to her friend who is depressed. I see elders meeting and meeting and praying and discerning creatively and with commitment. Someone in that vineyard has moved to a smaller home with courage and trust. I see a couple in that vineyard ready to get help with the way they communicate with each other. I see a new visitor on our lawn discerning God's will. I see our youth leading prayers and making sandwiches for our neighbors who are experiencing homelessness. I see Montclair Elementary School children in our fellowship hall. Someone we love is near the end of life and she is not afraid in the vineyard. In the face of turmoil and uncertainty, we are sustained and nourished by this work of the vineyard. We are called to the vineyard to work by the authority of Christ, not because he says so, but because he loves so. Fear not, the kingdom of God is near. Let us take time to join together in prayer. Part of our prayer this morning was written by our friend Jill Duffield at the Presbyterian Outlook. Let us pray. Loving God, just like the priests and elders in our scripture today, we are tempted to give in to constant quarreling with you, with one another, with leaders and friends, fellow believers and random strangers. Our world is awash in animosity and fear, anxiety and distrust. Even though we know we are to be in the world, not of it, we find it hard not to mirror the discord and anger all around, even within us. We humbly come before you this day, Lord, seeking work in the vineyard. We ask you to intervene, to work within us, 
so that we have the ability to turn away from those actions and attitudes that prevent us from fulfilling your purpose through us and turn toward the one who shapes us for your vineyard work. As the world reels with upheaval, use us to bear witness to your peace. As the headlines reverberate with bad news, use us to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. As our communities wrestle with overwhelming problems, use us to exercise holy imagination that helps the new thing you are doing to emerge. As so many grow weary and worried, use us to bring relief and hope. Merciful God, our prayer lists are long. We cannot possibly name all of the people, places, and circumstances that are in need of your compassion and transformation. We trust that you know our hearts and that you hear our pleas even when they are left unspoken. Pour out your love and care on those devastated by fires and floods. Wrap in love your children who cry out to you and lament for all they have lost and cannot imagine living without. Grant your unwavering strength to your prophet speaking the truth in love to many as yet unable to hear it. Give your peace that passes understanding to those overwhelmed with anxiety and fear of what tomorrow might bring. Confident that you know the needs that are already present and at work in every corner of creation, we humbly turn over to you those things that we can no longer carry. Astonished that you enlist us to work in your vineyard and do your will here on earth, we ask you to show us what we ought to take on in order to be faithful to your call. We make our prayer in gratitude for your grace. And in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, discipleship happens in many ways. During our anthem, I invite you to just be still and to listen and consider ways in which God is calling you to serve in the vineyard. Scripture asks us, with what shall we come before the Lord? What do we have to give our Lord? who emptied himself, humbled himself to the point of death, death on a cross, for the sake of the world. And while we can never repay God for all God has done for us, we're invited, privileged even, to offer in gratitude our lives and our gifts. Let us continue to worship as we consider ways in which we can respond. Our text to give number is 704 Seven three four nine eight one eight. Right on, King Jesus. 
No man can hinder me. Ride on, King Jesus, ride on. No man can hinder me. For he is King of kings, he is Lord of lords. Jesus Christ, the first and last, no man works like him. For he is King of kings, he is Lord of lords. Jesus Christ, the first and last, no man works like him. Jesus rides a milk white horse, no man works like him. The river of Jordan he did cross, no man works like him. For he is King of kings, Lord of lords. Oh, Jesus Christ, first and last. Oh, King Jesus rides in the middle of the air. Oh, he calls the saints from everywhere. Ah, ride on, King Jesus. No man can hinder me. Ride on, King Jesus. Ride on. No man can hinder me. He is the King. He is the Lord. pray. Lord, as a sign of our desire to be faithful, to hear and heed your teachings, we offer you these gifts. We recognize that all we have comes from you and that you hold nothing back from us. In joyful thanksgiving, we give you our lives and these earthly resources, trusting that you will use them all for your divine purposes. Bless this offering. May it bear witness to our love for you and your love for the world. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift his countenance upon you and grant you peace, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.